Welcome to Episcopals, bringing you the latest in faith-based advocacy from the Episcopal Church Office of Government Relations. Welcome back to Episcopals, Patricia. It's good to be with you. Nice to be with you again. I couldn't wait to do this, Alan. Yeah, I'm excited. We have our second season well underway now, and we're continuing our series of episodes today focusing on General Convention and Executive Council resolutions. Uh, So those, again, uh, for those who may not have uh, caught our previous episodes yet, those are the elected bodies of the church uh, from which our public policy positions originate. Uh, And then our office is tasked with carrying out advocacy on those positions to the U.S. federal government. Um, It's, of course, difficult to neatly categorize all of the issues covered in in hundreds of resolutions across decades of work. Uh, But we try to, uh, for the sake of easier communication and, and organizing our own Uh, day-to-day work. Uh, So Patricia, you cover our international portfolio. Uh, Perhaps another way to put that is, you know, covering U.S. foreign policy. Uh, And so you're really, you're just responsible for the rest of the world. Um, It's it's fine. Um, A little portfolio here. Um, So I'd love to to just give you a chance to introduce yourself and let listeners know uh, who you are and what you do. Yeah, uh, thanks, Alan. Uh, so my name is Patricia Kisare. I am the International Policy Advisor with the Office of Government Relations. As Alan mentioned, uh, my portfolio covers uh, a lot of international policy issues related to uh, U.S. government uh, and how U.S. government in- engages around the world. Uh, there's an array of issues that we might get into uh, in this uh, episode, uh, but I'll just mention that uh, one area that I don't focus on is Haiti, and another one is Israel-Palestine. Uh, another OGR stuff uh, covers uh, Israel and Palestine, and Alan, of course, you cover Haiti. I do, I do. Yeah, so those are sort of two exceptions, um, just sort of based on expertise and bandwidth we've uh, we've shared around the around the office. Um, and then you work for our office and another advocacy office, right? Yes. Uh, so my position is a is a joint appointment uh, between the Episcopal Church and the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, uh, who uh, both institutions are full communion partners, uh, and uh, a joint op- appointment of my position is the way that, uh, one of the ways I should say that, that full communion partnership is, uh, realized. Yeah. Awesome. Wonderful. Um, well, I've got, you know, sort of the standard questions I've asked, uh, Lindsay and then Susie in our previous episodes. Uh, so to start out for your portfolio, what can you, uh, what can you tell us about the resolutions of the Episcopal Church on international issues? Oh, there are many. Uh, a lot. Um, you know, as, as we know, the Office of Government Relations has been in existence for a long time. Uh, and, you know, there are always events and issues happening around the world and our church responds to that, uh, but also past resolutions um, ahead before even some of these events occur, you know, just kind of out of the... Um, principles that uh, we as a church practice. Um, so there are so many of them. Uh, one of them that I can point to uh, uh, is on foreign aid. Uh, I spend a lot of time uh, working on foreign aid matters, particularly foreign assistance to 
so many countries uh, and that portfolio is very broad. I'm happy to get into it a little bit more. Um, so we have a resolution, for example, from 1985, which calls on the government to increase foreign aid to farming areas. Um, it focused on Africa and elsewhere. Uh, some of you may remember during that time, uh, there was a lot of uh, farming in different parts of the world. Um, but the language on the resolution is broad enough to cover uh, many, many parts of the world. And, and unfortunately, even though this was passed in 1985, uh, it's a resolution that I find myself still going to back and forth mm -hmm. when I'm working on uh, our appropriations, um, you know, when we're asking the U.S. government to fund foreign aid programs. Um, there are still a lot of problems around that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that makes sense. So, I mean, I know we were uh, we were chatting uh, before we started recording today about sort of the thematic elements of church resolutions on foreign policy, uh, and the there's some sort of regionally specific ones. I'm wondering if you could comment on sort of what regions are perhaps noted in in church resolutions. Um, mm -hmm. Not asking for an exhaustive list, but uh, some to highlight. Yeah, um, luckily uh, there are resolutions uh, focusing on Europe, Africa, you know, Asia and the Pacific, Latin America. Uh, so I think uh, it's safe to say we cover most of the regions of the world. Um, what I would say is there are connecting tissues or connecting themes that you see on a lot of these resolutions even when they're very specific to a specific country or specific region, um, the connected themes are very uh, obvious to me uh, and, and fundamentally, I think, shows how uh, the church is concerned uh, around these connecting tissues or themes um, that uh, you can see in the resolutions. Great, yeah. I uh, know that the, the themes... Um you know, of, of even just more basic working against poverty, um, and trying to alleviate human suffering. You know, we've, we've talked about in our, uh, our U S domestic work, but it also applies in the international, you know, foreign policy space as well. And the U S actually has, uh, has had, and, and continues to have quite a bit of influence, positive influence there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If, if you don't mind, maybe I can mention oh, the themes I'm talking about. So, sure. uh, Concerns around human rights um, of all people, of all groups. And you can actually see that theme not only on in resolutions that are globally focused, but also even domestic focused. Um, but also this fundamental desire from the church uh, for people to live dignified existence. Um, mm -hmm and, and uh, thrive as much as possible. Uh, so those are kind of the connecting tissues I'm talking about. It might be a resolution that is talking about Cuba or is talking about uh, South Sudan and Sudan, but you really see fundamentally this is where our concern is as a church. Sure. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, you know, you've mentioned a couple already that, that are particularly helpful, but I'm wondering if there are other resolutions um, you refer to frequently uh, or find particularly, yeah, particularly interesting for, for your work. 
Yeah, so resolutions uh, that I refer to mostly around peace building and, you know, promotion of human rights. Uh, we do have resolutions around gender justice in general as a theme, mm-hmm. whether it's prevention of gender-based violence, uh, but also promotion of women's uh, and girls' economic um, outlook. Sure, sure. One um, I've mentioned, you know, this um, another dynamic on on the podcast before, but often news, you know, for certain parts of the world catches our attention or or holds more airtime um, than other areas. So I'm wondering, are there resolutions or regions of the world that we advocate on that you're working on that are not talked about as much? Yes, uh, we do have a lot of resolutions, and I can confess uh, sometimes it's it's uh, impossible to work on each one of them. Uh, but the one that I think maybe people are not very familiar with is on good governance. Um, I think the title of the resolution is uh, Transparency and Anti-Corruption. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this came out of the General Convention in 2018. And it talks about, uh, you know, advocating for anti-corruption measures uh, both with governments, but also like looking inward, like, you know, in our dioceses and churches, making sure that uh, we address issues around corruption and we're transparent in our, you know, day-to-day business. Um, so it's not just for governments, but also kind of trying to hold ourselves accountable as well, as much as we try to hold governments accountable. Sure, yeah. That's a great point. And, and looking at the you know, just the relationship and dynamics between institutions and whether that institution's the public, you know, a public government or, or a private institution like the church. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some of those same, the same principles and guidelines should apply and, and we try to pursue them best we can. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that resolution has been really helpful in terms of like, you know, we have other resolutions that talk about um, making sure we are accountable for foreign aid or, uh, material support we give to other countries. Sure. Um, so the government usually has, you know, checks and balances that are built in uh, some of these programs that they run uh, in other countries. Um, but it's a, it's a very complex context uh, when you're dealing with crises, for example, uh, and you're responding to humanitarian needs in an emergency situation. Um, so we, we read those reports, uh, like, you know, to understand what's happening, you know, to understand government accountability reports, uh, and when we see flags or we see issues that may come out, which may indicate a level of mismanagement, um, we engage in those conversations as well, uh, while also making sure that services are provided, uh, where needed. Um, But it doesn't mean that we don't correct uh, areas that need some correction. Yeah, no, that's that uh, reminds me, too, of the so the Episcopal Church is one of the original members of the Haiti Advocacy Working Group um, that I currently chair. Um, But when it was started just after the the earthquake in Haiti in 2010, uh, its primary objective was uh, to organize advocates in the U.S. for accountability uh, and transparency Mm -hmm. on USAID to Haiti. Um, and there was a pretty significant legislative win that came from the work of that coalition. 
Uh-huh. Um, and it's, you know, in many ways supported by, by what you just shared um, in our church resolutions. Absolutely. Yeah. What, uh, one last question here. What do you enjoy about your advocacy work? Oh, wow. That's a great question. I mean, <laughs> there's so much to, to, to enjoy in the midst of what may seem as chaos uh, in our political institutions. Um, but I think, you know, bringing the stories of our partners, um, trying to be in the space where they're not, they don't have access to, and authentically as much as possible, try to to represent their voices, uh, often in consultation with, sometimes, um, you know, it's, it's not possible to, to consult on each point or each policy, um, but, you know, we get feedback from them, we, we're in touch with them, asking questions, uh, making sure what we say is correct or uh, is representative of their experience. Um, I think that's what brings me joy the most in this work. Um, I do like some debate and discussion with congressional staff as well. Um, but I think the, the most part that I enjoy is that uh, kind of feedback loop between our partners um, and our office and then translating that in the, in the policy space in, in Washington, D.C., yeah. um, making sure that they're represented. Um, but also, when I mean partners, not only do I mean partners uh, in terms of churches on the ground, but also with the Anglican Communion Office, uh, we're in touch with uh, Anglican Communion uh, staff. Um, when there are issues that they're working on and we're working on, we try to consult as much as possible. Of course, the Episcopal Church is a member of the Global Anglican Communion, so that's good practice. Um, and we find that very valuable in terms of uh, how we speak about different issues that affect our churches around the world. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate you uh, you digging into our international policies, Patricia. Absolutely. Yeah. And so you mentioned, you know, just uh, as a concluding remark here, you mentioned the the Anglican communion and how valuable those relationships are. You know, part of the we're part of the third largest Christian community in the world. Um, and so while this episode's focused on, you know, our church resolutions, there's really, I think, a, a quite an interesting opportunity uh, for the church to engage on U.S. foreign policy because of those international relationships. So I, I appreciate okay. you mentioning that. Um, we also have, I uh, just want to note for listeners as a reminder, we have a representative or liaison to the United Nations. Uh, Linnea Main and our Global Partnerships Office helps to lead that work and I know is in coordination with you, Patricia, uh, and many others around the communion for that work. Yes. Yeah. So for listeners tuning in, please know you can explore church resolutions on your own through the archives website for General Convention and Executive Council resolutions or in our Policy for Action Index of all public policy-related resolutions that guide our office. Thank you again to all in the church who are helping to move our policies forward and taking action through our advocacy opportunities with the Episcopal Public Policy Network. Until next time. Thank you, Alan. Thanks, Patricia. The Office of Government Relations aims to represent the policy priorities of the Episcopal Church the U.S. government in Washington, D.C., 
and to influence policy and legislation on critical issues, all while highlighting voices and experiences of Episcopalians and Anglicans globally. The office facilitates the Episcopal Public Policy Network, a grassroots network of Episcopalians engaged in the Ministry of Public Policy Advocacy. Take action and learn more by following the links in the description. The Episcopals podcast is produced by the staff of the Office of Government Relations with the support from our podcast engineer, Ellie Singer, and project manager, Chris Sekama. Thanks for listening and join us next time on Episcopals. Episcopals.